Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C H E F R A N J O H N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. All right, I wanna thank everybody for just being on today. If you're new to the call, just really quick, I'm Coach Chelsea. I am down here in Tallahassee, Florida, where uh, I coach and teach our young people. Um, We started this thing now, which is crazy going on eight months ago where coaches and leaders come together to just talk about more than X's and O's and recruiting. Um, We try to normalize this faith-based thing and understanding that our faith kind of helps drive us. And in the hunt for finding those leaders and coaches, literally I pray and say, God, do your thing. And in the midst of social media, because in the midst of pandemic, that has been an avenue, but watching leaders and coaches who not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. And, you know, when I talked to Patrick, he, he told me, he said, don't call me coach, call me Patrick. When I talked to Patrick, uh, he immediately, you know, has just been open and, and ready for this. And one of the biggest things of how I knew God always shines through, let me know that I've done his will and asking the right people. He said, this is going to be great for me because this is the first time I did something along these lines. So I'm so excited just to have you here, uh, the athletic director and the head men's back basketball coach at Washington Adventist University. Great man of faith, just a great man all around. And I just look forward to hearing from you today, coach, and I thank you in advance. So I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch over to you uh, for you to just share with us a little bit today. No, I'm just, you know, really excited to be here. Uh, Happy to be here. We talked yesterday when I told you it was the first time that I've done something with just, you know, faith-based in terms of a Zoom atmosphere or something like this. And you know, for me, it's just a lot because I grew up in the church. And when I say I grew up in the church, like I'm Seventh-day Adventist. So like we, we go to church on Saturday, but, but church really starts on Friday night and church don't end until Saturday night. Um, we had worship every morning. Like I was in the church, you know, and um, it's brought my life just full circle. And I had no idea I would be where I am today. I had no aspirations to be here when I was younger. Um, but God just kind of molded me in a certain way and put me in certain spots. Uh, sometimes I questioned when I was younger, but now, you know, in my older age, I never have. And uh, he's, he's brought me to the place where I am now. And so, you know, it's just, I'm really excited to be here, really get started, you know, kind of talk about my journey a little bit and some things that happened with me um, through God. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I grew up in the church, like, trust me. Coach, and it's funny, you know, majority of our, coaches and leaders that come on that grew up in the church. That is really the most inspiring. I immediately I hear, you know, Kathy Pondexter and I hear Coach Yo and even myself, like I go back to, you know, starting a country church right outside of Tallahassee and Gaza County, St. Luke Primitive Baptist Church. And then now still in church. My my grandfather, my grandmother were the chairman deacon and chairman mother, right? So I get it. And you know, to start, I just want to here for you, I, I, I warmed my heart and I, and I feel some of the best servant leaders are the ones, you mentioned your grandmother a lot um, and, and some of the things that she taught and things like that. Take us through that journey of going to church. Sometimes when we're young, we don't really appreciate it or realize how much it will mold us um, until we actually get into adulthood and start 
hearing all those things they used to tell us kind of come to pass. So can you take a minute just to kind of talk to us about your grandparents and, you know, your grandma and your parents' teachings and just kind of how those things, that foundation has helped you um, now being a man of God and in the coaching realm? So, so my grandmother is a nurse and my, my, um, my father's a doctor. So I got a very big time, like medical family. And so uh, what we ate was always like big. Like, I grew up vegetarian. Like when I said I didn't eat any meat, I grew up vegetarian until I became a rebel when I was like 15 and I was growing. I was like, I can't do this no more. I got to have cheeseburger or something. But, um, you know, just, just the health message to start, you know, it was huge for me. It's understanding like what, you know, what we should be eating, what we you know, probably shouldn't be eating and how it affects you and how, how it helps you on, you know, a, a life of discipline, you know, starting right there. Um, you know, I can just always remember when I was a little boy and they'd be eating Thanksgiving dinner, I'd just be like, I want some of that turkey. My grandma would just look at me like, <laughs> boy. And, you know, it just, it, it was, it was funny times, but, um, you know, my parents, you know, I have, you know, big time faith going parents. My parents are always on me. I mean, to this day, I mean, in a good way, I don't look at it as, you know, to this day, like, what are you doing? Are you available? Are you coming before COVID? Are you coming over? Um, I think my dad's an elder in the church. You know, my mom is women's ministries. So she's like big time women's ministries in our area, in our DC area. So um, just, you know, what they told me every single day. And I was just, you know, making sure that I respected people, um, you know, respecting my God, respecting my family and made sure I took care of my business. So that's just part of like the journey I take with me every day. I mean, I was my son. I'm at the table with my son yesterday. He's eating. Um, he's biting the fork. And I, every time he does it, I look at him like, yo, you're going to, you're going to stop biting the fork. And so I just always goes back to my mom when I was, you know, when I was a little boy and she would always tell me, don't bite the fork. I told my son, you might meet your wife one day and she might not like you because you don't, you don't know how to eat. So, you know, just, just things like that, you know, um, you know, over time makes me think about, you know, the impressions they've had on me. You know, I'm sitting here chuckling uh, because people used to always think when I was a child and even now in adulthood that that is huge for me. So tell your son that as a woman who is now married, I'm telling your dad is correct, baby boy. Okay. Women care about how you appear when you eat. That is huge. That is a turnoff for me. So just tell him that I say there's a coach down in Tallahassee that can second that emotion. Uh, coach, you know, understanding that faith. And one of the things you hear me say all the time is, you know, I'm on a mission to normalize this faith-based coaching platform where we don't feel that we are altered by, you know, where we coach. You do actually coach at um, a faith-based school. And can you kind of talk to us a little bit about the program? And then with it being a faith-based school, some of the things, how that affects your recruiting, rather that be positive or negative. First, we're a, so a seven-day event school. We don't play on Friday night or Saturdays. So we don't play any games, any practice. That's our off day. Um, that makes us very unique. It's, it's a very unique experience, you know, because what happens is when we go on the road, so like say we're going for a weekend tournament, we're playing Saturday and Sunday, we get there Friday. We're practicing Friday at like 2 o'clock. Then we're having worship. Then the kids are off. Then we meet on Saturday morning at about 10, 11 o'clock, have another worship, and then they're off. And then we play at 8 o'clock. I don't see them until the sun goes down. Sun goes down. Then we kind of go into game planning. But they get like a full reset. But what it does is it really brings our team together because in that worship atmosphere, we're able to understand more about them than I ever do when I'm telling them they're not running the place correctly. And so I learn more about them, you know, personally 
than I ever will, you know, doing anything else that whole time period. And so that happening, we go on six, seven overnights a year. Those are six or seven intimate conversations every year. And in the better teams, of course, you're playing more games. And so those teams get closer. Those conversations get even longer. And so, you know, we, we just – we always touch back on that with our alumni. They always come back and say, man, coach, I just – it was crazy how those conversations, I remember those just as much as I do or even more than the games that we played. And so we're NAI school. We're pretty good. We've been top 10 in the nation uh, last three years. Last year, the only team to beat two Division One schools uh, that was not a Division One school. Um, we've, we've, we've done pretty well uh, lately, and that's only from God's guidance because when, when I started, it was rough. It was rough. I hadn't had a win. They hadn't had a winning season in 20 years. And we had two losing seasons, two out of my first three years, and I didn't know if I was, you know, in the right spot. But, you know, he takes you through that journey sometimes to get you to the destination you don't know you can get to. So um, I had to get through that rough spot, and it just taught me so much about myself and life and, and character development. And um, we talked about recruiting. When I first got there, I was 26. I'm 36 now. So I was just like, look, I can coach anybody. If they can play, they can play for me because everybody likes me. I'm young. Who do? That's dead. Of course, I I had a recruiting class. I had like four Division One drop downs. I thought we were going to be great. We were horrible because our character and our team was just not a par. And so after that, I just said, look, this is where we're going character first. I was 30 years old. I was like, character first. This is how we're doing it. We're going to do character and talent. And, I mean, of course, I'm going to take some chances on some guys. But, you know, Either they're going to make it or they're not going to make it. It's just, it's just what it is. And so once that happened, we had a drastic turn in our program. I think we've had five 21 seasons last six years. And so, you know, really looking at that character first base has helped us. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm open. I believe, like, I, I really believe that I might be the only opportunity that some of these guys get to ever even thinking about hearing the word God or Jesus or any of that. They're, they might not ever hear it or ever have to hear it again or be around it. Um, and so when they get around me, they know they will. And whether that's one, two, or three or four years, I try to make sure we instill in them, them on an everyday basis. I think that's so amazing. And something that there's two things you said that really stuck out to me. And the, the first one is when you said God's journey will help you arrive at destinations that you never thought you'd enter. And that hit me in my side because I'm telling you, there's so many times that I've arrived and many of us have and share the same story. There's so many times we arrive at places Right. And, and, and along the way, it's like, God, you sure? Like, you sure? <laughs> you know, we questioning a person that knows everything, right? Because we know better. God, you sure? And then we arrive there and it's like, wow, like, I never would have thought God would have allowed me or chose me or moved me here. So I thought that was very amazing. And then when you talk about the fact that sometimes these players or insert individuals or whoever, sometimes we're the only Christ that people will see. And the question comes, what are we showing them? So I thought that was so huge and impactful. And in speaking about that journey that you talked about, how God will take us through journeys to arrive at destination, we all know that those journeys come with some valleys and they come with some, some bumps and all those good things, you know. But, but faith kind of drives us through. It's in the midst of a pandemic. We see a lot of things with social injustice going on right now. What's some, you know, encouraging words that you can say? You know, we talk about yourself and your foundation of faith being built. And I mean, we have it all, but what's some encouragement that you can give coaches and leaders in this time that may have lost their position, gone on furlough, you know, trying to figure it out? What's some, you know, some encouraging words that you could give them? Communicate. 
I mean, the, the hardest thing with, with this pandemic, um, you know, when it comes to job loss and especially when you're down, it's like having a losing season. When you're down, you usually don't want to talk about it. Like, you don't want to talk about it. You just want to stay down. Or you want to just, you know, kind of sulk. Um, but you have to be able to talk to somebody about it if it's a mental, you know, because we all struggle with different mental. You know, my mother is a counselor. So when I was growing up, she would always be trying to sit me down on the couch. And I had to tell her, like, Mom, I'm not trying to go to your couch today. I know your services are free. But, like, I just think about how she even had small conversations with me growing up where she was really helping me, but I didn't even know she was really helping me. And so having, you know, being willing to talk to someone um, and then also reaching out to peers. I mean, I did so when the pandemic first started, like I'm big on, I think that a lot of African-American coaches have a problem with giving back to other young African-American coaches that they might not know you know, personally or directly. This is just my, this is just me. Um, and so for me, I've never wanted that to happen to anybody because of me. So I've made it a point to say, hey, I'm going back. So I'm going I'm to take care of 20, 30, 40 individuals where I'm going to make sure I talk to them where they can reference and say they know me and I can help them in any way I can. And so to me, like that's, you know, that's the biggest thing right now. Like, how can you connect with people? How can you continue to communicate? Um, because it's the only way we can kind of build and keep trying to get to where we're trying to get to. I think that's so amazing, Coach. And you touched on something that, you know, one of the biggest things, and I keep saying over and over, that people try to, um, you know, shy away from are those hard conversations. And you mentioned two things that are A, relevant, um, and B, not talked about enough. And the first is mental health. And, you know, it's a rarity, but so thankful that, you know, in these times, you did have a mother who, you know, sat you down, even if sometimes it was like, Ma, I don't need that. She sat you down. But a lot of times with everything going on, you said at best, people hold it in. They don't talk. They don't move. They may not know that there's a God in their life who can allow them to get back into balance. Um, so I thank you for highlighting that. And the other portion of that too is what you said, I was not gonna allow that to happen to me. I'm gonna make sure I reach back and I help our young people. And I think that's imperative, especially when God places us in positions. It's not for us. It's not for our own glory. It's for his, and it's for us to help him and be his vessel. So I thank you so much just for highlighting that. What does the pandemic look like in terms of the programs? Because not only are you the head coach of the men's basketball team, you're also director of athletics. So what does that look like for you all? Has that changed any in terms of, you know, your seasons? What have you all decided to do with your program and, and its sports sector? sector? Yeah, so we're, we're basically metropolitan campus. We're one mile outside of D.C. in Maryland, um, the only the only four year boarding school in Montgomery County, Maryland. And so um, we, we we went online. And so we went online and all of our students are online. Nobody's on campus at this point. So we postponed our fall sports to the spring um, basketball right now. We're, we're still not we're still not on campus. We're hoping to, to get there in a few weeks so we can kind of get started. We like we're going to have a little bit of a delayed start um, than usual. But um, you know, nothing is for certain in this in this COVID situation. We don't even know what tomorrow brings sometimes. And so we're just trying to prepare and do what we can. And then, you know, really communicate with our students and support them because they're the ones that are really suffering. Like, I mean, I'm suffering, but 
I mean, I've been blessed to do this for 10 years. They, you might get two years, four years, three years, um, you know, and the love of that game. And they're, they're really suffering on this. And so I'm just trying to make sure that we communicate with them, all of them, let them know that we're here for them, whatever they might need, and then tell them we're fighting for them to, to try to get back so we can all become safe, number one, and then have a successful year after that. I think that's so awesome and, and understanding in these times when I see individuals wear both hats of doing athletic director and doing a head coach of their program. How do you juggle that? I mean, just me looking at both titles, you know, and, and I see how calm and laid back you seem to be as a person when we talk, it's the same balance. How do you juggle both of those titles and how did they both come to be? Well, first, I might be chill here, but when I'm coaching, I'm absolutely crazy. So you might not even recognize me. I'm just going to be honest. Anybody who's on here probably laughing like, oh, he's crazy. Um, but uh, when it comes to, you know, when I got the job, I was just an AD. Um, our basketball coach was a part-time position. And so I was assistant AD just for a few months. And then the president just said that he saw a lot in me and he just promoted me within, I think, four months I was promoted to become the AD. Um, and then when, the, when I became the AD, I had to look at every single program. And this is the hardest part of my job was the first two or three years. Um, and I had to look at every single program and I had to say, you know, what I thought was performing and or not performing uh, at 26, dealing with grown people who are like in their 50s, um, looking at me like I'm their child. So it was, uh, it was, it was a challenging you know, year or two, once I became the basketball coach, um, we just we just took off. It kind of happened at the same time. I didn't – I'm a very straight-up type of person. So all my friends that are coaches say I'm a matter-of-fact dude. I'm always just saying – I just say what it is. Sometimes it can be, you know, kind of just like, ah, did you have to say it like that? But, I mean, I just – I just really just try to, you know, be honest and upfront with my views and how things are. And so when I took over the job, I was honest with everybody early on, and, and it kind of went from there. And – Juggling it, I I think that it'd be the only person I really think that hurts from it is probably me, my family. They hurt the most, and I hurt. Um, but everybody else, I mean, we, you know, I always try to err on the side of doing the best for everybody else, you know, because just for, you know, just to make sure that, you know, our teams, that we have a brand new soccer field, like a $2 million soccer field, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. We out there support them. So I'm, Really miss. We don't have football, but we have soccer. That's our fall sport, and I'm just mad. It just hurts us not being able to be out there because we love, you know, our soccer team and seeing our volleyball teams early in the year. But it's fun when you work with a team. You got a big team, 150 student athletes. I got a great staff. My SID is amazing. He does great artwork. He does great compliance for us. Our office manager is top notch. She's a business. He used to work for Freddie May and Freddie Mac. So I mean, he brings his business acumen to our office. You know, so we have great cohesion and synergy in the office where we all can work together. We all kind of wear multiple hats at a small school, but we try to make it big time where we are. I think that's awesome coach. And, you know, prayers for, you know, your program, our programs, everyone's programs that we'll, we'll get back to um, playing those games and getting on that field. One of these days I'm gonna get up there cause I got to see that field. Um, but coach, of course, knowing that this platform is centered around servant leadership um, and that term kind of takes on different heads and definitions, depending on the eye of the beholder, right? Um, from your standpoint, I would like to know, what does Patrick believe? What does servant leadership mean to you? And how do you express that in your day-to-day? -day? I just think it's what it sounds. 
I mean, it just, it really, it really is what it sounds. I just think um, as a lot of times as a leader, you know, we think that we know how to lead based upon what we want. And you'll never know how to lead until you know what the people want. And so you might want a destination, you know, but they might want a journey. And so you have to make sure you're meeting your people where they are first. And once you meet your people, serving them to the utmost and understanding that it's going to, it's going to, you know, it's going to cause you at times to, to be at misfortune. It might cause things at times not to be beneficial in your favor, but it's in favor of everybody. And it might, it might be in beneficial of you, but not in beneficial of your ego. You know, and, a, and a lot of leaders, you know, they're more concerned about their ego than they are their servants or who they're serving. Excuse me. So, and that's servant leadership to me. It's getting out there. It's getting it done. It's doing whatever you can um, to help show a certain cohort of people, you know, what, you know, they can accomplish if they put their mind to it, if they work hard, and if they have somebody that loves and cares about them. As I was sitting over here, and of course, my, you know, I go on mute when you respond because, see, I'm that person, right? I'm that person that every pastor, every speaker, every leader would dream about, right? Because, see, I I give you the amens and mm, man, oh, I give you those. So I mute myself. Mm -hmm. Speakers speak because I tell people all the time, it is, it, is it a fluid moment every time we come on here where there is that powerful line, you know, and you've given quite a few, but you said we have to be able to serve those that we're leading and remove ourselves out of the way because see, while other people, we're trying to give them a destination, they want a journey. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And it happens so often, especially when we're dealing with student athletes. Sometimes we're trying to place our dreams on them. Sometimes we're trying to take the things we didn't get to do and instill it in them. And therefore, we're not serving them at their best. We're trying to, you know, do what we feel is best. And that's not what God has called us to do. Thank you for that, Coach. That was so big. I mean, it's, it looks scribble over here because I was trying to get it down faster than, it, than you could get it out. But Coach, that was profound. And I think that that is probably one of the top definitions. You know, I hear a lot of them that kind of sound the same, and I think that was amazing. Right. Truly, I, 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 I'm going to have to truly sit back and read that even some more when we get off today. So thank you for that. Um, I'm going to ask this, and then, of course, as I always do, I'll open up for um, those that, you know, may have some questions or things like that. Understanding that hard times do come, you know, as we're taught, and I'm sure you probably heard it, and it doesn't have to be a scripture or maybe some words that live by our quotes, they always tell us keep a verse or a scripture or word in our hearts. Keep it in our hearts so that when those times come, we don't have to go flipping and turning. It's like, I lean on this. Are there any words of scripture that when things happen, it's like, let me go back to this so it can push me? Or a song that if my day is just, I put this on, you know, I'm, I'm gonna push this out here real quick. It's a, a teammate and a classmate of mine. We actually grew up together and she's now a Grammy Award winning um, you know, writer and producer. And she has a new song with Lecrae and Kurt Franklin. It's called Sunday Morning. If y'all have not listened to it, I'm telling you, go listen to it. But ever since I went back into the classroom and every day it is a bit, you know, hard to do. You know, there's some anxiety that comes through and, and to all our teachers, I'm praying for you. But when I come in here, I put it on y'all and it just kind of pushes me past that point. So coach, when you have those moments, what word or line of scripture or a quote that maybe, you know, you've always laid in your foundation or song kind of pushes you forward? For me, so 
we also in my household could not listen to secular music. Okay. So we had to like, it was just gospel music. And so like I was playing, my dad sang, so I was playing gospel music all the time. Um, but when I was in college and I had a test and I knew I was probably going to be struggling on that test and I was up at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, I would just play Give Me a Clean Heart by Fred Hammond. And anytime I know I'm going into practice with an attitude, give me a clean heart. I had 6 a.m. workouts, give me a clean heart. It just puts me in the, in the um, it, just, it just cleanses me. It just puts me at ease and puts me in a situation where I know that I can perform at my best and be the best person I can, you know, for the student athletes and for anybody. I mean, my son, my family, everybody. But that, that give me a clean heart, it just, because I think Fred is a gospel lyricist. I just think he's the GOAT. That's just my personal opinion. Um, cause I love Fred cause he can sing too. Not everybody can sing who's doing the gospel thing. Um, so, you know, that, that, that would be it for me. Cause I love that song and I love Fred Hammond. So you like gained so many notches in my book. Cause I tell people it wasn't until that versus battle with Fred. Oh, yeah. Kirk, you know, I told people, it was like, oh, Kirk, Kirk. And don't get me wrong. I love Kirk and Kirk has hit for days, but you sleeping if you don't know Fred Hammond. What I've learned about people is if you just got hip to the gospel game, you come hit me up for some of my playlists. I promise you, I'm going to get you right. Like my God, mom, she's always on this call. I think she's on here today. I don't know. It's her birthday. I'm going to plug that in there too. So happy birthday to her. But she'll tell me, she'll she'll text our gospel station um, here in Tallahassee is 90.5 and uh, 98.3. And she'll text and say 90.5. And so majority of the time I pray I'm in my car so I can listen. I'm like, oh, that's such and such. But yes, Fred Hammond is that dude. So you are right on target with that, right on target with that. And I think the biggest thing you said in that, and as much as I love that song, and actually I saw um, Coach Paul, who's on here a lot too, we've been kind of on the same wavelength here where it's a prayer of a servant leader and a person of faith, but it's a bold one. When you say that, that the scripture tells us, God, search my heart. Search my heart. And if you find anything, it's a song I love all the time. Vanessa um, Armstrong says it, Bill Armstrong. She says, search my heart. And if you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out. And I love how you equate that to, you know, before my practice. Because, you know, there's some times, especially when you're doing dual roles. You know, I teach and I coach and do a whole lot of other things. And that day can give us some things that throws us off. So God, cleanse my heart before I serve. Cleanse my heart so people can see me. I mean, see you and not me. Help me to decrease. So I love that coach, big time. I'm going to go ahead and y'all know I can go all day. So I always try coach. Sometimes they're more talkative than others. Uh, but if not, I'll swing it back to a, a few more that I have. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open it up. If you're new to the call, guys, we're all family here. Just unmute yourself. Any questions, comments, or anything y'all have for coach, go ahead and let them rip. Somebody's hey, good, good, good afternoon, everybody. You. Nice pick, Rick. Good afternoon. <laughs> hey, uh, well, thank you guys, first of all, for having me here. That, that's a blessing. Um, but uh, in terms of, uh, you know, servant leadership, you know, I find myself, I, I go as, as, as uh, Steve Harvey would say, I'm an entry-level Christian. You know, I'm finding my way. It, uh, you know, it's, it, it's been several years since I found myself back in the church. And you talk about an identity of a, a very aggressive coach, you know, I, I really pushed a lot of boundaries for really trying to change, you know, my, my format and let God, you know, be my pilot in doing this. Um, and my question for you guys is, 
and I do this a lot, and in, in, we talk about this in men's group. There aren't many people who, uh, <laughs> you know, are, 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 are attracted to or, you know, want to learn about God. How do y'all approach that? And, you know, how do you, amongst your teams and, you know, dealing with uh, parents and other people, you know, how do you, how do you allow that to, you know, to guide you and still keep your faith first without compromising it? Well, coach, first I would say we're the same because I'm aggressive, aggressive. Like I'm, 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 you know, I'm running up and down the bench, running. You miss a defensive assignment, you gonna know, and your aunt's probably gonna know, and whoever's the janitors, everybody gonna know you missed your defensive assignment. So, um, you know, I think what's worked for me is is not impressing on them, but understanding them first. So anytime. Our intro conversation usually with our team is, did you, do you have any religious background? If you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. Um, we just kind of curious, what do you know? What do you, you know, I've had, you know, I've had transfer guys, you know, a guy from um, uh, Senegal uh, and, and like, they don't believe in Christ. They believe in spirit. So we would just understand each other and just, you know, start from there. And once you're able to understand the conversation, first thing is, Entry-level Christian, just fill out the application. There's going to be something different in you. And they're going to be able to see there's something different in you. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so people want to know more about what's different in you. And so I, I would honestly say, for me, it's really getting on that surface level and finding more about them before I try to impress something upon them. Tell me about yourself. and Because a lot of times, they might be Christian. They just don't want to go to church no more. Or they, or they just had a bunch of people just like they had a bad experience, you know. They, something, something. It could be something small. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, that's what I would say. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Because you it, and you hit it on the nose. You know, I think everybody's experience in the church is different. You know, and uh, that's what I've experienced. You know, um, and to date we haven't had any pushback, but you could just tell you know, a, a parent's buy-in or, a, a, you know, one of the players buy-in, because we'll do clergy on a weekly basis. You know, uh, we, we pray on a daily basis. We pray on everything. Um, so, you, you know, it just, we want to make sure that it has the impact that we desire for it to have. And, uh, you know, I like your feedback in terms of, you know, I do need to have a little bit more discussions with them as to where they really stand, you know, before we uh, take that journey together. But thank you all. Thank you. Absolutely, Rick. And, you know, you had me sold, uh, ready to talk with you when you mentioned uh, Never Would Have Made It by Marvin Sapp. Well, so that's, yeah. You know, that's one of the best ones and those timeless ones that I don't care. It could be 10 years down the road and it's still going to be relevant, right? Um, yeah. just, Let you me know, tell you something. We, 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 play, we play gospel music in the, in the weight room. And uh, there are those moments when it, when it clicks. <laughs> and uh, it clicks. Absolutely. And it, it, gets, it, gets, it gets emotional for them. And it's funny because, you know, most teams, they're walking in playing different music. We, we got kids walking in, you know, playing William Murphy. We got, you know, all, you know, they, they feel like, Coach, what was that song again? Let me, you know, so. And those are my type of, let me tell you, those are my type of student athletes right there because that's just it, exactly what you're saying. It's not about pressing it upon them because nine times out of ten, 
those that don't want to go to church, there was a reason. Those that you may feel like religion of any kind is, that's not for me. There was a reason, right? I was listening to a podcast this morning and it said, you know, you become a um, very mature in your faith when you realize that how someone is currently is because there was a story. There was a point of origin. And I thought that was so amazing because we do, we see people and they, they just look mad all the time. You're like, why, why are they always angry? There was an origin. Somebody may say, uh -uh, I don't do church. Nope, I don't do it. There was an origin. And so what I've learned is much like what you just said, you're doing it, you're living it. You know, I'm listening, I'm doing my day to day. My kids, they used to be, and it's so funny watching the seniors now, but they come in, I don't want to ride in coach van. Coach always going to listen to gospel music. Y'all don't have to ride in my van. That's fine. But they start to realize I don't do it just because I'm trying to show you something. It's my way of life. It's what gets me through. See songs, you know, like I said, that come on that aren't your, you know, old time song. They're like, Coach, what's that? I say, Yeah, I saw y'all bobbing y'all head. Now let's play it again and listen to the lyrics, you know. And so it's one of the biggest things that you said, you know, my God and I, we're setting up for the games and they're not there yet. So we're listening to gospel music because that's our thing, you know. They see us and we're saying grace. We teach them, you know, the Lord's Prayer. And they don't have to, but it's much like what Patrick said. We have to learn them first because you never want to offend anybody. One of the biggest and most eye-opening moments of this platform is when we sat down and had a conversation with Kathy Pondexter. And I bring her up so often because of how it came to pass. And reaching out and asking her, it was like, mm. and we went back and forth and found out it was because she decided for what was best for her was that she is now, um, you know, Muslim. But one of the things after that hour-long conversation that we realized is, as coaches, much like Patrick said, are you not going to coach other athletes of different faiths? So are we just not going to learn and have a conversation? But at the end of the day, the most profound thing she said at the end is, she said, I grew up Catholic, I was Christian, and now this is what I practice. But what I've learned over all of this in my journey is there's one God, and that's who I serve. And it was so big for me because I don't have to stand on a soapbox and say, hey, I'm a Christian, do what I do. I live my life, right? I live my life and I decrease so they can see me. And what happened a year ago is a young lady, you know, that was with us, our program for years. She said, I've been watching y'all. I've been watching Coach Mitchell. I've been watching the coaches. I remember when we came to church and y'all didn't make us, you said it was voluntary, but I wanted to know what kept y'all happy when things are hard. I want to know about this man that when your grandfather passed and you had surgery all in the same month, you still showed up and coached us. How do you do that? And how do I get that? And I think it follows through with what Patrick said when he said, listen, entry level or not, when you turn in an application, yes, I heard it, Patrick, when you turn in an application, immediately something changes and it gives you a totally different feel when there you tapped into the source. And so it gets them wanting more. So I think that was an amazing question, Rick. And I think you're already doing it. Just living the life. We don't Bible beat. I think that's what moves people away. We just live the life and we show them what happens when, when we go through those downs and we're still standing and people know, how are you still smiling when people have wronged us and we can still say good morning? How are you still doing that? You know, it's a reason when you're ready to find out, talk to me. So great question. I hope that helps. Patrick, thanks for, thanks for the message today. A couple of things just to kind of follow up with, uh, with what uh, Coach Chelsea just said. Your life, and I probably say this once, once a week to this group, but your life was your message. Your message is your life. Your life is your message. And kind of what Rick was talking about, 
we're the only Bible that some people are going to see. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if, if you hammer them, and as you said, you get to know people. And as, you know, as Chelsea said, you know, people, people change, but, you know, our God is still our God. And we have, we have more in common, and I believe we have more in common than we have different. But a couple of things really jumped out at me. You talked about, well, one, it's just your life is your message. And, you know, you, you are evident, uh, you are a servant leader because you, just by your talk today, you put so many other people first. And you, a couple of things jumped out. You said, be big time where you are. You know, and that's one of my favorite things is be where your feet are. Mm-hmm. But, and you've, you've given that to the people you coach and the people you work with. You, you make them all feel like, you know, there's no place better to be than to be with, with you and what you're doing. And it made me think, you know, that's, that's what God does with us. God takes us where we are. He meets us where we are, wherever we're at in our journey. And we're all beginning. I think we're all beginning. We're always, I feel like I'm always beginning in my faith. As, as, as deep and as rich as it's become, it's like each day I have to start again. So great message today and, and keep up the great work. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate it. Do we have anybody else? I don't want to overtalk you. Hi, Coach. My name is Coach Pat as well. Yeah, I got, I got on my Dallas stuff this week. You know, I don't know how long. I'm going to all on here. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to block <laughs> your screens out. <laughs> I don't know how long I'm going to get to wear it. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm bringing it on all this week. I've been wearing it. <laughs> Uh, the question I have a fast I, I have kind of a fast question uh, for you. Um, when you go to and it's a just basically a recruiting uh, question. Uh, when you go to recruit the kids that you recruit, uh, recruit, uh, what's some of the intangible things that you're looking uh, for for students that come to your to your school? I, mean, I always look for bench decor. Because um, okay. most kids don't play 32 minutes, so bench to court. Um, when they're out of the game, are they still in the game? Because okay. you have to be out of the game on the bench and then just be on cloud 980. Are you looking back at your dad and then sulking because he had to come out? Um, instincts on the playing field, you know, just the defensive instincts. And then offensively, do you know how to play, you know, playing unselfish, uh, things like that. I just think kids today just do not know how to play basketball. Um, I mean, just like kids are very talented, but there's a, there is a, there is a, there is a dying percentage of knowing how to play basketball. Absolutely. Um, So just, you know, just looking for fine things like that, but really, you know, I can tell who you are usually by halftime because I'll be leaving at the half sometimes. That might've cost me a couple of plays. Who knows? But I mean, if if it's two games in the night and I'm trying to go to another game, right. If, if you had an attitude in the first quarter, I don't care if you have 20 in the fourth. You're probably just, you know, coasting because times are going good. So I want to see them when they play their worst. That's the other thing. I want to see the worst you can play. Okay. I do want to see you play your best, but I'm okay with going to the game and seeing you play terrible and seeing how you act. Because okay. you're not always going to play well. You're going to have bad games. And really, your bad games are going to define how good you're really going to be. Mm. So... You know, is your attitude above par, below par, or are you average? And if you're average, I'm probably going to look for somebody else. Hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. I, you know, I also want to, 
before I come off, I just want to say that I also want to see some film of you on the sidelines. Oh. And so I'm cracking up because you're so cool. Like, like Chelsea said, Coach said, you're so cool and calm and collective and how you're answering everything. It just would be interesting to see that on the sidelines as well. Thank you very much. My SID's in here. My SID's trying to keep his job. You need to keep that going away. <laughs> keep up going. Hey, co- hey, listen, uh, Coach Patrick said, listen, like it said, Ecclesiastes is a time for everything. <laughs> for everything. That's what he said. So here we go. There's a time to be calm and a time to turn up, right? Yeah. <laughs> I added that one in there myself. <laughs> Great questions, Coach. Great question. I, I put down here, y'all have inspired it. We're going to have a fan day because this is about, this is the second day that I, I think somebody else came on uh, after a loss or something crazy and y'all were in the opposing team's gear. I forget what it was. But yeah, we're going to have a fan day soon. You heard it here first. Do we have anybody else? Yo, real quick. Um... Hope everybody doing okay. My apologies for being late. Had to handle something, but I'm pretty sure I missed a lot of this stuff as usual. But um, just piggybacking on what Pat was saying, it's a huge premium on body language and, and how you carry yourself on and off the court. And you know, I don't care what you're doing in the game, but if I turn around and you're not engaged in what's going on, and you know. You're mad because you came out and you felt like I was just getting started, even though you just had five turnovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Preach to the choir right there, got you. You know, then I, I don't want to hear it. We're not going to deal with it. You know, when you feel like you got your life together and you want to uh, join join the rest of us on planet Earth, then, then we'll see if I put you back in. But attitude, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with an average player with a great attitude before we deal with the great talent, with the bad one, any day. And just how you carry yourself as a whole means something. And even though we may not feel like they're paying attention to us, the kids or the players or whatever you want to call them, um, it makes a difference and we're making an impact. So, you know, for everybody on the call, not just Pat, you know, just keep doing what you're doing because you can't save everybody. It's not going to happen. You know, so don't even waste your energy and, and effort trying because you're going to get way more gray hairs than you planned on much sooner. But keep doing what y'all doing. I mean, that's 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 real. What he's Especially what he said, you can't save everybody. Uh, we got to try. I mean, it's it's like eating, but you, you can't. You can't. I mean, trust me, like, and I always think about, like, there was two guys that I always talk about who that transfer out of us. We have a lot of guys transfer. This is transfer. Mm-hmm. Everybody transfers. So we get transfers coming in, transfers go out. It's not even personal anymore. It's just business. Um, but, I mean, I was thinking about two guys in particular. We just did, it didn't work out. It just didn't. Talented guys, you know, sometimes with me, I'm tough. It was just, it's just not going to work. Personalities don't, don't, don't go together or whatever. Um, and I was telling one of my, my seniors that, and he was like, why don't you call him? My senior was like, why don't you just call him? If you're mad that it didn't go, why don't you just call him and tell him you're sorry? Or to see how he's doing, I'll just check up on him. And I'm always checking this kid. This kid played for me for four years. So I'm always telling him what he needs to do. 
he is senior now, though. He's looking at me telling me, because he played with the kid. He's looking at me telling me what I need to do. Said you was right, man. Gave him a call to see how he was doing. Now me and that kid are really cool. We talk a lot. The kid is overseas, and we just having regular conversations. So, I mean, it's so hard in terms of, you know, dealing with them, but putting forth that effort to try, it's, it, 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 it can break you. It, it can really, it can really break you. Like you said, gray hairs. But knowing that that you put put it out there, people are not gonna forget that. And when people do you wrong, and this is the one thing, other thing I learned, if you treat people right and they do you wrong, in the long run they're gonna know that you treated them right. And when you come back around, they're gonna be cool. And even if you gotta come back around, like you know, especially my old players, like my whole thing is. If I coached you, I don't ever want you not to like me when you leave. Yeah. Like, I don't ever want you to be like, oh, screw him. I don't ever want that to even be on the table. And I've coached, I mean, you do 15 guys, 10, 150 plus. I probably coached 200 guys, probably two or three guys out there like that. But I don't sit well with me because I, I probably know who they are right now. Yeah. But I've made it a point to go back and to make sure that I keep those relationships because – to me, the relationships are the key to everything. It's the key, I mean, our relationship with God, our relationship with our family, our relationship with our players. I mean, those are the three Those are the three most important things that we have going on in our lives. And a lot of times, the players are your family. <laughs> and a lot of times, you're their family. Yeah, yeah. How many, I mean, how many, you know, Christmas dinners or Thanksgiving dinner? I was, I was in California for Thanksgiving. I, I was eating in the dorm. These dudes is at my house. You know, eating good, going home with plates. So, you know, it's like you said, I mean, just really paying that thing forward, staying together. But, my, you know, building all those relationships and making sure they're long-lasting and they stay, to me, is the best thing about coaching. Like seeing somebody I coached eight years ago and just – I was at Chick-fil-A yesterday. I got a mask on. My man's got a mask on. We walk by each other. I look at him. You know exactly who I said, Calvin? He was like, Coach Pat? And then we just, you know, no no hugging because it's COVID. So we just, just little little head nod, little elbow, little elbow joint. Yeah. And, um, you know, we chopped it up in 15 minutes. But just, like, having those type of moments, to me, is what coaching is about. I mean, championships are amazing. And they, when they happen, they feel like nothing else. But that phase. That's so amazing on both of you all's behalf. And coach, you really spoke something to me, really spoke something to me just then. And granted, it's, it's something that we get over. Um, we're more mature, you know, with each passing moment, we pray about it. But those moments where, as you said, when you do right by people, they know, even if they wrong you, it circles back and they know eventually that you did, you've done right by them. And, you know, as a coach and, and as a person in general, that's going to happen plenty of times in this world, we're not perfect, but when our intentions are pure, they know it. And sometimes these young people don't know it until they leave. You know, young people don't understand that discipline is love and what love looks like until that love that it appears now doesn't hold them accountable. That love doesn't discipline them. And then they look up years later and it's like, man, I should have listened. Man, I really appreciated you being hard on me. And every time we see it, when people come back or students and players come back who otherwise for a moment there wasn't pleased with me but I I told the line because I know for a fact that not only do I want you to be a great player I want you to be an amazing young lady and citizen in society 
And so although my love is tough, it's to get you through not these four years and then I'm saying peace out. I want to be invited to your weddings. I want to see the cute pictures of the babies and I want you equipped and ready for that. So that hit, as a young people said, that hit different when you said, you know, it doesn't matter if people don't understand and they've wronged you, it circles back. And I promise you when their growth comes into play, yep, they get it. And then the, the blessing and all that that is, nine times out of 10, the calls or messages come back and say, coach, I wish I would have listened. I finally got what you were saying. I realized I transferred, not realizing it, man, I should have stayed. Or can I come back? You know what I mean? And so, you know, as that, you know, that same podcast I was listening to this morning, it was saying that we have to be mindful when it does circle back. You know, the, the, wor the word tells us thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my any enemies. So when that table is set, what are we showing them? And so I appreciate you saying that, coach, because that is amazing. That Those moments, those are the ones that really, like you said, that hit home when you see that student or that player outside. And it's like, man, hey. And, and sometimes words don't even be said. It's just immediately good because you know they get it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one final question, unless anybody has anything else. I don't want to leave anybody else out. Do we have anybody else that may want to have a comment or anything like that? Okay. So one final question, and this could be for you. Um, I love it because it honestly was inspired by uh, Coach Rick Perez, who's on here today. It was an amazing question. Um, we as coaches and leaders, it doesn't matter if you're sport or not, whatever our facets are, we have to train our athletes. We have to train our employees. We have to get them equipped and ready and in shape to do the best job at whatever facet we're in. Before the person that may have fallen away from going to church because of the point of origin, as I talked about, because of the person that may just, I have been busy and I haven't been there. How do you get, or how would you tell, or what advice would you give to a person trying to get back in spiritual shape? And how do you stay in spiritual shape um, in the midst of your season, in the midst of your jobs, in the midst of being a family man? How do you make sure you, sp you stay in spiritual fitness? I think it starts in my house. You know, you know just making sure that my, my kids are on par. You know, I got a, I got a daughter, she's... Well, she's 18 months, but she's like the greatest thing in the whole world. And I got a son who's seven. That's my boy. We're cool. But my daughter is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, my, my wife, my mother-in-law lives with me uh, through the through the pandemic. And so making sure that she's staying safe here. And, you know, I think to make sure in the season, it's, it's really crazy. Because I think in the season, I'm more in shape than I am out of season. Because in season, I got to be sharp for those guys. So, like, I got to be sharp. So, like, if I know, it's almost like, it's almost like I got two game plans every weekend. Like, I got to have the, the basketball game plan. And then we go into our worship, our worship service, our worship game plan. But then on that, that day is more of a day where I also don't mess with them about sports. So that is just a day where I'm really thinking, all right, I need to make sure I talk to X, Y, and Z at some point in time throughout this day. And it might just be lunch. It might be we're in the bottom of the hotel just rapping for 30 minutes, um, just getting there. And, you know, the crazy thing is my wife came with us. She never comes on any trips. She came to the national tournament, I think it was three years ago, 2017. And um, she came and we had a worship service. and we went around the room and it was, I had four seniors on that team, four of them, three of them were there four years. 
the only one that wasn't was a two-time All-American, and they had, they won two championships, all four were thousand-point scores. This is a great team, and we had just lost the day before at the buzzer, so we knew we were going home on Sunday, and this was our final like worship service that we were ever going to have together. And I felt like they cried more at the worship service than they did when we lost the game. And my wife didn't really understand how deep this thing is until she was there and was able to kind of see it for herself. And so for me being in shape, a lot of times is really, and that gave me a, at that point in time in my life, it gave me a reset because I was like, I'm spending more time with them than I am with my people at my house. So I'm teaching them more than I am teaching people in my own house or working with them. And so it just gave us a whole total reset. Um, and I mean, I know God has set it up like that. He would have not, never had her come to that one trip to where this one thing happens and able to reset everything else that was just like, just in my home in general. So, you know, for me, it's really about, you know, staying up to task. And then when you're with people, stay motivated with them. I mean, that, that really puts you, puts you there, like getting, like we have books. And so I'll give them a book or two read this, read this chapter here, bang, comes back to me, and we'll go from there just to have a small discussion. I want to talk to you about something else besides basketball. Read this. We're on an eight-hour bus ride. You ain't got nothing to do with text. Your Wi-Fi is out. We're in the country anyway. And so these, like, small conversations just help us build those relationships that we're ultimately trying to grow with, um, you know, over time. But the pandemic's been good to me because usually for us, we go to church, you know, you got one pastor. Now for pandemic, we got options. We can listen to five preachers on my couch. And so we're able to listen to, you know, we'll, we'll have a service on at home early in the day. And then I have somebody I like listening to. So he goes on at one o'clock. Mother-in-law likes somebody. He goes on at three o'clock. So she can, you know, this it, gives us flexibility where it's going to be hard when it's time to go back to church. People are going to have to do a good job because I'm telling you right now, this flexibility is tough. It's tough. You're real comfortable at the crib, and you're getting all the word, too. I'm just saying. I miss the singing off-key, but, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. <laughs> I'm over here laughing, but you're absolutely right. Like, I'll listen to somebody else while I'm waiting on my pastor to get started, you know? So you are so right about that, and and I love it because it just shows this much like Coach Paul said all the time. On, I, I heard somebody say this. This is not mine. But they said on Sundays, we are the most separated and divided nation. On Sundays. And then granted, of course, insert Saturdays and the days that, you know, you all worship. But that, of course, goes along with what I'm saying. You know, we all love God. We choose our own places of worship, but we're in separate places. And so what this pandemic, much like you said, has, has done is it brought it all to one set place. I've heard people now say, hey, you know, I'm in North Carolina, but I heard your, um, your pastor. He's awesome. I have people, you know, my cousin down in Orlando is like, look, when this pandemic over, I'm about to come visit because I love your pastor. And it's just amazing to see. And you're so right about that. But coach, I just want to personally thank you again uh, a million times over for just your transparency, uh, your availability, and just being open to just share with us, you know, for this to be a facet. I think for as much as you said, you know, it was good for you to be able to come in and do this. It was good for us because you definitely left some nuggets for us to not only chew on, but as my brother would always say, marinate on it for a minute. Um, but, you know, just
just understanding that servant leadership portion, the biggest thing you said is understanding, you know, how to serve them, moving that ego out of the way. And, you know, with, for this being a servant leader, I think that that was top notch, understanding who we lead and making sure we know what their needs are. So coach, thank you so much for meeting these needs of us coaches and leaders today. If there's anything that we can do for you, you just reach out. Uh, you are now part of the Servant Leader Clan. Um, so thank you so much just for being here and imparting so much wisdom today. Uh, really, really happy to be here. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm part of the family now, so I need to get that Zoom link. So don't be hey, feeling- Hey, I got you. I got you. My email and my cell phone number is there. Uh, if there's anything I can help you with. I mean, I had a coach just call me on the way here. I'm glad to remember. Uh, he's a coach, NAI coach from Oklahoma. He's like, I'm in D.C. tomorrow. Can you tell me where to stay or where to eat? And I gave him, you know, a bunch. Of, I need to give him a bunch of options now. So anything you're in the D.C. area or anything basketball-wise, administration-wise, um, even if you have young people, young people that are looking to get into the, uh, the profession that might need some guidance, um, you know, I'm always here and, and looking to help or at least put you in the right direction. And really trying to pay it forward on that end, but I'm I'm definitely grateful to be here. Thank you so much for this. This is good. It's gonna get me back, get me back ready to go for the week. It's like a recharge for the week um, for me. I was up. I had six a.m. workouts today, so I'm I'm hurting right now. Um, <laughs> Listen, I'm up every day five thirty a.m. trying to get myself right, and then having to come to uh to work where we start at seven thirty, uh Monday through Friday. So. Uh, it's a recharge for me. I look forward to this every single week. So thank you for that. You are definitely part of the family. So we're going to make sure you have that link to hop in. Um, and I appreciate you all. Uh, so if there's anything that goes for all you all, I see down in the chat, many of saying I got 1% better that came from servant leader, Corey Black. Um, and that's what it's all about. Just getting better. So again, if there's anything we can do for you, you just let us know. And if you guys could just bow your head um, and we'll pray and get out. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the things we've seen and that we've heard. We thank you, Lord God, for just being who you are. Uh, we ask you right now, Lord God, that as your servant leaders, Lord God, as your coaches and your leaders, you just continue to decrease and increase in our lives, Lord God. Touch our world and heal, heal our land, Lord God. They talk about the pandemic, Lord God, but there are so many other things that we know that you can take control over, Lord God. We may not know, but you have a plan. So help us to just be better at what we do. Help us to serve others, Lord God. And help us, Lord God, that at the end of the day, give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.